Welcome to Over 40, Fabulous and Pregnant. This is episode five. I am your host, Jamie Massey. The mission of our show is to celebrate and support women in their 40s pregnancy journey. While we do discuss medical stuff, treatments and medicine, we're not doctors. These are women's experiences and should not be taken as medical advice. On today's show, we have Kelly from California. She is an organizer and wardrobe stylist, and I love organizing, so we really hit it off. I had a really great time speaking with her today. She had her second daughter at 44. It was a surprise, but she made a really great birth team, including a doula, which I'm really interested in. She also made a magical birth plan, but it didn't go as planned. I do love how open and honest she was with her story, and that's exactly what we want to share on the podcast. Also, I before we get into it, I wanted to let you know that I do have an email address now if you would like to email me. It's jamie at over40fabulousandpregnant.com. I'm still working on the website slowly. In the meantime, you can also join us on Instagram. The handle is also over40fabulousandpregnant. Here you can connect with women from the podcast, and I do like to share um, other stories that I'm during like interviews so you can ask questions and know what episodes are coming out. You'll also get inspiration, community, and more. And for my update on the IVF, we got the medicine, I think it was last week, this ginormous box of medicine. It's quite overwhelming how big and how much stuff is in there, like stuff that needs to go in the fridge, um, needles in like a little tiny trash can, a medical trash can. So we got that and then we got our, we went to the doctor and had our baseline exam. She checked um, everything, blood work, and she said, my uterus is straight. Um, Go me. I don't know what that means. We got the all clear to start medicine tonight. And that means we are going to do injections in my stomach to prepare me for the egg retrieval. That's going to overstimulate my ovaries, hopefully to bruise lots of eggs so we can have lots of embryos. And the guilty part of this is I am a fainter. Like, just talking about it, I can feel like my head like heating up. It's such a weird sensation. I've fainted when I got my ears pierced, the dermatologist. Like, I feel like an expert. And most of the time I can get out of it. I haven't fainted in like, I don't know, it's been six or seven years. I am, I have so much anxiety around this and hopefully it will push me out of this fear and I'll just, I'll come out at the end being an expert um, needle giver to myself. (laughs) Oh, I'm so scared y'all. Really, let's get into Kelly's story already. Kelly, welcome to Over 40, Fabulous, and Pregnant. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. And before we get started in your story, tell us about where you're from, your your family, hobbies, all that good stuff. Oh my. Okay. I am 44 years old. I live in Southern California. I have an almost 13-year-old daughter. We have a two and a half-year-old golden doodle who was to be the last baby of the family. <laughs> but then lo and behold, we now have baby M. <laughs> baby M arrived three months ago and um, she completes our family. So I was married prior to my older daughter's um, father, got a divorce and uh, remarried a few years ago. Well, actually, it's been more than a few. It's been five. Um, and it's just been wonderful partnering with with my now husband. And uh, we, let's see, hobbies. My goodness. I feel like my life right now is all about the girls. Um, and if I'm not taking care of one of my lovely human daughters, I'm taking care of my fur daughter. And we go, we love to go to dog parks and we have an amazing dog beach down here. Uh, so we like that and just time with family and friends, really. I feel like ever since COVID and then with the puppy and now with the baby, I spend a lot more time at home than usual. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we love our life here in South California. And- Oh, I bet it's beautiful. And tell us, what do you do? You are an organizer? Yes, I'm a professional organizer. So I work with people's spaces, whether it's at home or in a professional work environment, whether office or, you know, even something bigger than that, corporate spaces. And I started out as a wardrobe stylist. Gosh, I started my business 15 years ago. So I started in closets. And I've seen so many different types of and sizes and styles of closets and wardrobing areas. And so I have had such an honor and a privilege to work with women in that creative arena for the past 15 years. And then about a year and a half ago, I thought, okay, how else can I branch out? What else can I offer? Well, I'm already good at organizing. I do it in in closets and dressers and, you know, master bedrooms all the time. So let's just include whole house and office. So it's a little bit of a newer endeavor to have branched out, but I just, I love working with women and I find that when our spaces are organized, now I'm not talking perfect. This is not about perfection, right? This is just about organized in a system that works for the individual person. Our brains as women work better. We're not as uh, frantic or fragmented. So it's a real joy, um, each client that comes my way. Uh, I love organizing. I know I feel so much better when my space is organized. It's so true. There's something about like a cleared off counter space or a freshly set dining room table. And there's, it's just so, I feel like it's just a weight lifted off of our shoulders as women and as busy moms and all the hats that we wear in this life. So to be able to have areas that are organized, it just is really, um, it's really helpful and it's very, I feel like it brings a, a different level of peace to otherwise very busy lives. Mm-hmm. At least something can be organized <laughs> and in its place. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So tell me, this seems to be a surprise pregnancy. Yes, it it was very much so. Um 
I realized last December that I hadn't had a cycle in a little bit. And I was like, no, like, I think I'm perimenopausal. I'm good. I'm, I'm almost 44. And no, like, everything's fine. And then uh, I talked to my cousin, who's a labor and delivery nurse. And she's like, you should probably go buy a couple tests just to be sure. So I went out that day and I bought two tests and I was like, I was going to wait till the next morning. And then I was like, no, I'm just going to take one right now. And sure enough, it was positive. And this was like a week before Christmas. So it was, <laughs> it was very unexpected to say the least. I wrapped up all my tests. I thought those first two tests, I was like, no, those tests, I just bought bad tests. Like there's no way. But my boobs hurt, but there's no way. And then um, I went out and bought two more tests the following day, took those back to back. Those were both positive immediately. And I I wrapped them all up and gave them to my husband as an early Christmas gift. And he just looked at me like, really? Are you serious? Are you sure? Really? Because he'd been wanting this. And I was the one that was like, no, I'm good. Like, we have an almost 13-year-old. We're five years to freedom. And so it's a very much a surprise, but she is an absolute blessing. And we can't obviously now, we can't imagine our lives without her. She is beautiful too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So how was each trimester? Oh, goodness. <laughs> First trimester, once I, you know, once you entered the morning sickness phase, um, I, I just felt kind of ill almost all day, every day. I never got physically sick. Um, and it wasn't just in the morning. It was just kind of the thing that lasted every day, all day. Um, there were a few weeks where I barely ate hardly anything. I lived on ginger ale and crackers um, pretty much and maybe a banana here and there. So first trimester was definitely, um, not very fun. I also had COVID during first trimester. So I was oh my out for a few days in bed, just, I mean, already being kind of tired and just that yuck feeling that comes with first trimester, um, when you have the mm-hmm. any morning sickness and then I had COVID. So I recuperated quickly, but still it was just one more thing. Um, yes. yeah, first trimester and then kind of thank goodness that started to wane around, I think 16 weeks or so I started to feel a little bit better and I had a little bit more of an appetite. Um, and yeah, so second trimester was decent. I worked a lot my second trimester and my work is very physical, a lot of bending, a lot of Mm -hmm. up and down, a lot of moving things. And so I worked as much as I possibly could second trimester. I probably actually overdid myself. Um, But second trimester, you know, I think most pregnancies, mamas feel great second trimester for the most part. And so it's really something that I encourage you to do all the things you want to do second trimester because, you know, if you want to go on a baby moon or you want to just rearrange a room in your house or whatever, like you're not at that dangerous stage yet, you know, for those that aren't high risk pregnancy. Um, And, but, and then enjoy your life too. enjoy being out, enjoy being about and do what you need to do because third trimester, (laughs) then you're tired and you're swollen and you're big and you feel all the feels and all the emotions. 
And it just, it goes, mm-hmm. oh, it goes so fast looking back. But when you're in the trenches every single day, day in and day out, it's like, how, how am I ever going to make it? I remember thinking with probably about 10 weeks to go, I can't do this anymore. I'm done being pregnant. Like I, <laughs> my body was just, I'm done being pregnant. You know, you're having like parties in your belly at 4am and you're trying to sleep. And it's like, there's like a, you know, a, 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 you know, just a party, like loud music and someone's in there dancing and it's just like, nope, I want my sleep and I want to be able to sleep in the way I want to. So third trimester, I had more of an appetite, which was nice since I didn't as much the mm-hmm. first trimester. I ate a lot of spicy Thai food. I know so many people that say, don't eat spicy food or I can't eat spicy food. It's one of the things I craved. Spicy Thai food. It was wild. Yum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very tasty. But I, I now I can't <laughs> eat it. like so spicy. I'm like, what happened? It's incredible what our Oh, how does. weird. Yeah. Now I'm super sensitive to spice. Crazy. So I wasn't prior. Um, so yeah, every trimester brings with it its own joys and its own challenges for sure. Um, you know, if I could just give a word of encouragement to those mamas that are either trying to conceive or in the early weeks, as hard as it is, you're going to have weeks where you are wondering what is happening to your body and your emotions. And psychologically, you're maybe not in the same, you know, positive space that you usually live in. Like, it's okay, just go through it one day at a time and ask for help. I've had to ask for so much help during this pregnancy and postpartum way more than I did with my first. And I think that's hard as women because we're so used to being the ones Mm -hmm. offering help all the time. You know, whether we're taking care of other children, maybe we're taking care of our parents or another sick loved one. And we have pets, we have bosses, we have employees. It's like, we're doing everything for everyone. And I have, I really had to put any sort of pride or whatever that was aside and say, I, I need help. I deserve help. Like women need to come together and say, how can I help you? There's, there's a beauty in being able to offer help to someone who needs it and being able to receive. And so, um, I think mm-hmm. that's really something that I would encourage all the mamas to to do no matter what stage you're at if you're trying to conceive and you need help in you know whatever even if it's just more emotional support and some sort of a a you know a tribe around you if you will and then obviously when you're pregnant you want to be chatting with other pregnant mamas to get their tips and tricks and then postpartum wow dump <laughs> I mean, are are we including postpartum as the fourth trimester in this discussion? Because it is something that I yes, I truly believe it totally is. This postpartum kicked me hard, and I'm just literally today at the three month mark, and so I I'm starting to finally feel like I'm coming out of this very thick haze, and I don't remember this with my first. There were other things going on there, but um. This was this was hard. It was really hard to be honest with you. And mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily know if it's age related. I mean, I'm not as young as I was, obviously, having my first. 
Um, again, I'm 44 now and I, I don't know how much of it is attributed to that, but I did also have an emergency C-section. So I know having had massive abdominal surgery and then you bring home a newborn and then you're sleep deprived. So, um, Uh I think there's a huge conversation and I love that you love and want to talk about the fourth trimester because I, I think it's a a relatively newer way to put it and it's a it's a newer way to 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 talk and open that conversation up but it's like you know we're especially in this culture we're just we go home and everyone thinks we're fine and we're just supposed to be super women like you see on pinterest you know these amazing pinterest moms and it's like that is no one's Mm -hmm. let's be real and let's say you know what today i didn't shower today i barely ate today i didn't sleep today the baby didn't get a bath whatever it is right it's not about perfection um, and it's not about trying to be that Pinterest mom. Do the things that you love and that you have energy for. But I have had to let so many things go in this postpartum, like a like a totally organized house. That's what I do for a living, and I love what I do. But my house right now is a train wreck because I physically can't do it all. And I think that we need to release mm-hmm. each other as women to that's okay. You grant yourself permission and great. That's right. That that is okay. And I'll tell you too, for three months, we've been eating off of throwaway plates. It is not my norm. I love my dishware, but to make it easier (laughs) and less house chores, we have been doing throwaways. And so it's just these little things that, mm-hmm. you know, I think especially fourth tri- trimester, we really have to figure out what is important. And it's obviously keeping us sustained and nourished and slept to the best of our capability and then to keep our newborn alive and flourishing. And there's a lot that goes into that. So that's just a quick yeah. brief synopsis of my trimesters. I don't know if you wanted me to dig into more information or more of my personal details on those trimesters, but that's kind of a quick um, brush stroke over each one. Well, tell me how you prepared for birth this time, like classes and um, that sort of thing. Okay. So this this time was so different. With my first, I we took classes at the hospital um, and I did not have a birth plan. And she was born in seven hours, start to finish, like fast and furious. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was great. This one, I thought, okay, I'm older. I talked to a couple of my older friends and they said, if you can afford it, get a doula because they help advocate for you. You know, my husband was there, but they're a great person to have in the room with you. And I do um, like the mix of holistic care as well as traditional medicine. And so I thought, okay, this is great. I got Mm -hmm. acupuncture treatments throughout my pregnancy just to kind of ground me. And it took away any little pains or weird, weird things that my body was feeling during the pregnancy. So I really enjoyed that. But everyone said, try to get a doula if you can. So we did. And then she started Mm -hmm. talking to me about, okay, let's do a birth plan um, and watch all these videos. She has like her own, um, I don't know what to call it, like educational video series, getting ready for birth. And so we watched that. And this is my husband's first 
uh, child. So I felt like a lot of these things were really important to do for him and with him. One, so that he had a, a complete experience and two, just so that he would have some knowledge. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we did uh, because of that. But so I went into the, you know, I went into the hospital. I had my doula. I had my birth plan. Everything was typed out, looked amazing. I had prepared this basket for the nurse's station with all these goodies and fun things in there. Now, keep in mind, my cousin is a labor and delivery nurse and has been for almost 16 years. So I kind of picked her, you know, brain about what would the nurses love. And so I went in and I was super prepared, super calm. (laughs) (laughs) let's just say the birth plan was thrown by the wayside very fast. And it's something that I've heard and I thought it was like a wives tale, you know, Oh, I had my birth plan and then it didn't go at all like that. And that was completely my experience. So I don't know if all plan birth plans are kind of jinxed or what (laughs) happens there, but there is something Mm -hmm. to that. And I don't know if any of your other um, guests have had a similar story like that, but I feel like a lot of women are like, oh yeah, if I wrote down my birth plan, it was totally the opposite. But if I didn't write down anything, it was great. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. Oh, needless to say, we did all this wonderful preparation and we were ready to go, but we, I never researched C-sections because in my mind, uh-huh. my first one vaginally in seven hours, my body knows what to do. My body can do it again. I have faith in my body. It, it was created to do this. And now here I am after 30 something hours of laboring, um, facing an emergency C-section. But that was the one thing that we never researched, read about, talked about. So, um, you know, you can plan, but things, things can always go a little haywire. So let's talk us through your birth plan that you plan to have. Okay. Um, I wanted minimal interventions. I, mm-hmm. my doula was there the whole time. So I wanted to be able to do as much of those types of exercises and stretches and interventions, um, the holistic interventions that the doula does as much as the hospital would let me. I don't know. I think it varies state to state. California is a little bit in a traditional hospital. They don't give you a ton of leeway with that. Um, Let's see. So minimal Mm -hmm. interventions, my doula and all of her amazing tips and tricks. I wanted to go down that path. Um, I was open to having an epidural. I had one with my first and I, I didn't personally have a problem with that. Um, and so I was fine doing that, but I wanted to try to wait till I was dilated to maybe a six or a seven. So I wasn't on an epidural too, too long. Uh, let's see what else I wanted to be able to eat and drink because you hear so many horror stories about how a hospital would just give you ice chips. Yes. And absolutely not. And the doula said, no, 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 no. We're going to pack snacks. And when no one's in the room, you're going to eat something. If they're going to be really strict, that was kind of our plan. Um, we had oil yes. at a bouncy, like one of those big exercise balls. We, I mean, we had 
a lot of it going and I wasn't a traditional hospital. I wanted, I needed that reassurance since I did have a miscarriage five years ago and it was quite an ordeal. I wasn't ready to put myself personally for a home birth or at a birthing center. I needed to be sure It was like a reassurance for me that if something went wrong, I could have medical intervention immediately. Um, And I think that was just a little Mm -hmm. trigger back to what happened uh, five years ago. So again, that was just my personal personal preference. Um, But they gave us quite a bit of leeway. And I have one of the only two or three, we call um, my OBGYN and two or three of his colleagues, they're like mama friendly. So they give us more ability to make our own decisions. Whereas a lot of OBGYNs, especially out here in California, they just kind of are really hardcore and they you know, shove their practices down your throat, even if that's not what you want. So I liked that my OBGYN was really hit mm-hmm. off unless I had a question or unless obviously there was a complication of some sort. And so he really just let us labor. How nice. Yeah, it was, it was really wonderful. And again, there's only three of them in town. So I, I don't know, um, you know, how that is across the nation, it would be really interesting to to know if a lot of them are just very C-section forward. Um, some people I've heard them call, call them C-section happy because they have a tea time or they're, you know, flying off to yes. Sonoma for the wine country for the weekend or whatever. And they're like, boom, boom, boom. We just want to deliver all these babies. I didn't want that. I was trying to avoid a C-section at all costs because I didn't want to put my body through that at 44. Uh, so that was another part of the birthing, mm-hmm. which of course got thrown out the window when uh, the time came. But mm-hmm. yeah, so we did all the doula, all the holistic um, acupressure points while I was trying to dilate. And how, how did you find your doula? I called a friend of mine who is like a research queen. I know we all have a friend mm-hmm. like that. We know someone who's very good at research. Yes. And it's not me. I can when I need to, but she just seems to know everything. And if she doesn't, she'll find it really <laughs> And so I said, hey, you know, who do mm-hmm. you use? Because she was one of the ones that said, if you can afford it financially, get a doula. And I said, okay, who did you use? And she said, well, mine retired, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, who else do you know? Reach out to whoever and let me know. And she uh, is a manager of a large team in um, in like a, the dermatologic medical field. And so she said, oh, I have a couple of my gals that have recently had babies. I'll talk to them. So really, I went through her first. I interviewed the gal I ended up hiring first. I interviewed a couple others, but I really just like this one, this one doula that we hired because she's also um, a doctor of acupuncture. So it was like, you get all the benefits of a doula in room with you as you're actually birthing. But during the entire pregnancy, which we didn't hire her till at least halfway through, maybe a little more, we got, I got the benefits of her being an acupuncturist. And so, um, and I really liked, she was very calming and very soothing and very kind and, um, very caring and 
care is a big thing for me. And I think a lot of women, um, like we, we need to be cared for. We care for everyone else and we need someone to help take care mm-hmm. of us and even more so mm-hmm. during pregnancy and postpartum. And so I really felt like I interviewed three doulas and I just, she was by far the most expensive because of her being a doctor of acupuncture. Um, but I felt like she was the mm-hmm. best fit for me personally. And um, so really it was just ask your friend, <laughs> ask your friend who knows everything and does all the research <laughs> to find you the best doula now. <laughs> Uh huh. We've considered a doula too. And we're in Texas and it's just, I don't know anybody else that has used a doula yet. Oh, okay. In my area. Okay. You know, I, even though my birth plan did not go as planned and I had to have all the interventions and ended up in a C-section. It was wonderful still having her there because we were able, between me and my husband, we were able to bounce all of this off of her. Okay. What have you seen before? She's been to however many mm-hmm. births. What have you seen before? Um, what do you think about this? What do you know about this? And so when they would come in and say, you know, we don't like how this is looking or, you know, whatever it was, then we'd say, okay, can you give us 10 minutes? We're going to talk about this. And they would exit. And then it was just the three of us. We were like a team. And I think that doing life as women and as moms, we need a team no matter what that team looks like. And for different tasks or different days, it might look different. But this was my birthing pregnancy team. It was me, my husband, my doula. And then, you know, you have kind of um, people on the outside of the team but that we needed to bring in at times. And so I felt like, okay, team meetings. Yes. What are we doing and what do you know? And so there's, they're just a, normally they're a wealth of knowledge. And I think that's important to have because my husband wasn't researching this stuff. And I only, you know, I know what I know from being a mom for almost 13 years, but it's not what the doula knows and what the doula's seen. And so I really felt like even though it was definitely an extra cost, it was a lot, it was worth the money. Let's put it that way. It was worth mm-hmm. the cost for her knowledge and her care, um, just having someone else there. Yeah. I love how you put that y'all are a team and like the doctors are like the outsiders and you're bringing <laughs> them in as a tool. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Because if not, they'll tell you, oh, you need this or you need that or they're going to pump you full of medicine and they're not going to tell you why or what it's doing or what it's for. And so... While I'm Mm -hmm. not opposed to medicine and this last birth, I had all the things, but I, I want to be aware of what is happening. And there was a point at my, you know, in my laboring with baby M three months ago that I got to a point where I was not doing well and I needed her to basically take over and not start making mm-hmm. medical decisions for me because she can't do that, at least in the state of California, she can't do that. But she can counsel me or she can say, you know, everyone needs to leave the room. We need 30 minutes. Like she's not doing well. Let's just mm-hmm. clear the room. And so uh, it's just having another advocate. And I'll tell you, it's also wonderful for the husband's. There's a part of me that believes very deeply, especially if this is um, anyone's first baby, like the 
unless your husband or partner is a a huge research buff and they want to do it all themselves, it's wonderful to have the doula there for the partner because they can, they can put them to work. Oh, okay. Like if they see the mom starting to you know, maybe a little distress or some pain, discomfort, and dad can't handle it. So you can say, okay, why don't you go get a coffee? Or can you go get us some water with ice? Like give them tasks and they can help read the room. So they can help direct partner. Mm -hmm. They can help you know, bring him in when the time is, the time is right. Like as far as bringing him in close, like maybe right to the bedside, whisper sweet nothings into her ear, get, you know, get that, all those good hormones flowing, tell her how much you love her, tell her how much you can't wait to meet the baby. Like, so it's just, it's, it's kind of, she's also managing the space, which I really liked. Um, and I think it's really helpful that they're not just there for me, but, or I'm sorry, as they're not just there for the mothers, they're there for the other partners in the room. And it makes a big difference mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah, I love that. They seem like such a great thing to have during your birth. Yes, yes, really, so truly. I, I'm, a, us, I'm an advocate. So tell us about the birth Tell us that story. It was a Tuesday morning in the wee hours and I couldn't sleep. So I got up and I got a snack and I was sitting on the couch watching a movie and it was dark. And I was there, I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And then I kind of just moved a little bit different, changed my angle that I was sitting on the couch and I felt this rush of liquid. And I thought, I just went to the bathroom. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) And so I kind of waited, I grabbed some towels and I kind of waited. And with my first, it was like the floodgates opened and just outright there. It was not a trickle of any sort. And so this was more of like a very steady, more than a trickle, but not a flow. And so I kind of sat there waiting for a while thinking, is this really it? Because it was, it was over three weeks prior to my uh, due date. And so I Mm -hmm. was caught by surprise to say the least. And I waited about an hour and I thought, okay, I'm still trickling So I should probably wake up my husband. And I didn't really go into contractions. I had been having contractions off and on since, um, actually, they started the night of 4th of July, which was way too early. That was over like four and a half weeks prior to my due date. So that was a little bit too early. And I had to basically start, I put myself on forced bed rest, which was really hard for me. I still had clients, but I needed to chill out because she needed to stay in and cook a little bit longer, if you will. And so anyways, Mm -hmm. um, that morning of, that was a Tuesday. So I went and woke my husband up about an hour later and I said, okay, I just need you to know, like, you might want to pack your bag. Let's get some stuff together. And my older daughter was coming home from the UK. She had been there for a family wedding on her father's side, and we were going to pick her up that morning. (laughs) So 
I thought, well, I'm not going to miss time with her after such a monumental trip. This was her first trip to Europe. And so I thought, okay, I've got to hold myself together for about five more hours. And I knew if I called my OB, they'd send me the hospital. Because as soon as your waters break in any capacity, you kind of go on a countdown clock. And depending on the doctor and the mm-hmm. uh, maybe the state, there is a limit of how many hours they're going to let you go until they take the baby. Um, if you don't deliver huh. vaginally, they're going to do a C-section because they start, they say that there is a risk of infection. The longer your waters mm-hmm. have broken, there is a risk there. So um, we got my older daughter. We had breakfast around the table. I was trying to hold it together and just be like, it's just <laughs> another day. This is no big deal. It's fine. I wasn't in massive contractions, so that was a saving grace. But we sat around the table and had breakfast and tried to hear about her her trip. And then I thought, okay, I think it's really time to go to the hospital. My water broke around 540 (laughs) in the morning. This was now about noon. I said, "I, I think it's time that we go and at least get to triage so they can check me and see what's going on. Maybe I'm dilated. So we got there around 1.30, checked in, and they immediately got me into a room, um, and I I started, I guess, not active labor because my body wouldn't progress. I checked in. I think I was like a two. And so we did all the doula things, and we're walking the halls, and we're stretching, we're doing lunges and squats and all these wonderful things that mm-hmm. you can do while you're in labor and my body just was not progressing. So, you know, I'm trying to think what time it was, but I'd say that evening they started bringing up Pitocin. And I think, you know, the doctor thinks that we should start Pitocin. Maybe it'll kick my body into gear, et cetera, et cetera. And I was really trying to hold off of that. Uh, Again, I wanted Mm -hmm. minimal intervention. And so we talked about it and kind of, you know, dragged our feet a little bit, trying to buy some time and nothing was happening with my body. I was just stuck. Like I was not dilating any further and they were continuously worried about that countdown clock with how long my waters had been broken. So at some Mm -hmm. point I considered to Pitocin. So they ran Pitocin, um, I know I was definitely on it the following morning and I will tell you that my contractions, like I definitely, they started getting stronger. I did end up dilating to a four, but this was, so that was, so my waters broke Tuesday morning. This was now like Wednesday, mid afternoon, maybe noonish, mid, early mid-afternoon, and I just wasn't dilating. And so they really started bringing in, um, uh, you know, more ideas of what we might need to do. And at that point, I was on Pitocin. It was rather strong, at least for my body. I was having contractions and I was uncomfortable. So I said, okay, let's do an mm-hmm. epidural. I didn't want to take it at a four, but if I'm going to keep dilating, I don't want to be in this kind of pain. So they gave me an epidural Mm -hmm. and unfortunately it 
was a little too much for my body, I guess. He he gave me a little bit too much and I didn't do very well with that. So um, thank goodness what the happened? doula was there. My Well, I just started to feel really off. Like the room was kind of spinning and I just, I just kept telling my doula, I feel off. I don't know what it is, but I feel off. And so eventually they called the anesthesiologist back and he's, he said, you know, it sounds like she just had, like her body didn't handle it well. Cause they do it by weight that what they kind of try to mm-hmm. determine how much they give you by weight. And so he's like, well, I gave her what, you know, her body says it would handle, but my body wasn't going there that day, whether for whatever reason I did not handle it well. And so I just felt so weird. It was the most bizarre feeling. And I remember laying in the bed and the room was kind of spinning. And I just remember telling my doula and I felt like I was kind of, kind of faint. I kept telling my doula, I don't feel right. Something is off. I feel weird. And so sure enough, all of a sudden I hear Mm -hmm. my nurse was incredible. I have to just give it up for the nurses right now, real quick, a little props to all of the nurses out there because I had the best care ever and every single nurse, I went through three rotations of nurses during, um, labor. So the first day, 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 night, overnight, and the next day, all day. So I had three complete cycles of different nurses and the nurse that was there last with me, Angelica, she was just amazing. But her and my doula were over in the corner talking and all of a sudden Angelica comes over and she's like, sweetie, I got to give you something in your IV to help you combat whatever's going on with the epidural. And at that point, I knew um, that things weren't going well and I, I knew that my body was tired. I was 30 something hours into it. And I just was tired. And so things unfortunately stayed on the path of not progressing well this time around. And, um, by 8 PM, my OB came to visit us. This was Wednesday night at 8 PM. And he Mm -hmm. said, I'll let you go. I'll let you keep going hour by hour but that means I have to check you every hour. And every time they check you again, they're worried about an increasing infection. Anytime you, you know, let's say introduce something to the canal, um, there's always chance of infection. And I had already been, you know, my waters broke at 5am. Let's say on Tuesday, this is now 8pm Wednesday. So he was very concerned and he said, but if, if it by midnight, nothing is happening we're taking you for a C-section. And so I just Mm -hmm. remember we cleared the room, my husband, the doula and I, and I sat there and I just cried because it was not what I wanted. And I didn't feel physically, Mm -hmm. mentally prepared for a C-section at all. I was terrified. I've never had surgery before. And so for this to Mm be a first surgery... But I want to tell everyone out there, like, if you have to have a C-section, I promise it will be okay. It is big. I'm not going to lie. It's a big, massive abdominal Mm -hmm. surgery. But they took such good care of me. There was an entire team there. I mean, it was amazing for what it was. But anyways, at Mm -hmm. 8 o'clock, the three, my team, my doula, my husband and I, my team, we sat Mm -hmm. and we discussed and cried. 
and and I looked at my husband and he said, it's your call. I, it's your, it's, you've done this before. You're the mom. It's your call, but this, you know, and I said, I think I just have to do it. Like I'm tired. I don't want to keep going. And what's the point of doing it at midnight, going into an emergency C-section at midnight when people are all really tired by that point, why don't we just do it right now? I don't think it's worth it. How Uh my body, my body dilated to four in over 30 something hours. So I thought, you know what? I just, I have to just heed what my body was willing to do and what it wasn't. And, um, they prepped me for surgery. So it was definitely all very unexpected. It went not at all according to my birth plan. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is that we're cared for as moms and made safe in whatever way that's possible and that our babies are safe and healthy. And they didn't like her heart rate. Her heart rate was dipping after every contraction. And Mm -hmm. that was the biggest reason why they didn't let me, they wouldn't let me keep going. They thought, okay, no, like it's C-section pretty much now. And then they rushed me to the OR. And that was about eight o'clock. That was, yeah. We made the decision around 8.30 and I was in the OR, I think by 9.15. Wow. And so- 9, 9.15. So at eight o'clock, you were still only a four. Yes. Oh, you poor thing. Yes. It was, it was quite a wild ride. I I'm trying to be like a little reserved, but it was a wild ride. Um, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, I'm, I was very emotional and I was very surprised that this is how it went down. It was so opposite of my first birth story (laughs) with my older Mm -hmm. daughter. It's like nothing could have been more different. And so I don't know. I mean, I know every baby is different and every pregnancy is different, but I thought, well, you know, your body kind of knows what to do. Rinse and repeat. Well, that was not the case. Wow. So did you get any option during, because it was a C-section, like the cord cutting and the placenta or anything like that? Yes. So the cord cutting, I had wanted them to leave the cord attached until it changed color. So we were sure everything had been like drained out and used by the baby before then. Mm -hmm. Um, But with the C-section, you don't get very long for that. Now, I have to say that if someone does have to go down a C-section route and your partner is there, that it was... It was a sweet moment for my husband to be able to be involved in that manner. So he got to cut the cord. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the placenta, that was that was a part of my birth plan. I saved it. And my doula rushed it off to um, a friend of hers who does placenta encapsulation here in town. And so I had that turned into capsules to then take postpartum. Uh, The research that I had done and the information my doula shared with me was that it's supposed to help, one, kind of re-nourish your body after such an ordeal. And also, two, they say that it's supposed to help kind of ward off any sort of postpartum depression or the baby blues. Um, And I had really bad postpartum depression with my first. And so I was willing to do whatever it took 
to try again to avoid um, those, you know, that thing. But it's, it's something that happens. I mean, our emotions are all over the place. Our hormones are all over the place. You're, you're so exhausted. Your body's doing all these crazy things. So I've been there and it's, it's okay. Again, it's something it's like, we need to get rid of the stigma. And I really want to encourage mamas out there. Like if you don't feel right, please talk to someone that is caring and that you trust, whether it's a friend and they take you somewhere, but you need to get care and you need someone who's caring to give you that. Um, and it's something that we need to just open up the conversation about again. It's like with the fourth trimester in general. Uh, but yes, so the placenta, they were very, um, accommodating and they took it away in a cooler and they actually, the staff delivered it to my doula. I never even like my husband and I never even dealt with that. So that was actually really, um, easy part of, of my birth story. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. Um, I don't know if that's, so you're taking those now. Yeah. So I wasn't as faithful taking them as I needed to be early on, but she gives you, well, this gal gave me like, okay, you take, you know, six every day for the first X amount of weeks. And then you go back to like four a day and then you go down to two a day and one a day and you kind of taper yourself off until they're gone. But I still have some. And so I just Mm -hmm. one, I just take one every day. Um, You know, I figure it's, it's only going to help anything at this point. It's not going to hinder anything. It's going to give me nourishment and Mm -hmm. put something back in my body that it lost. So yeah, so it was a very interesting experience. It was, it was a new thing for me, the placenta encapsulation. Yeah. How long did it take to get it back? Um, I want to say she turned it around. Let's see, it would have been delivered really late. Wednesday night, I think I had the capsules in my hand Friday morning. Wow, that's impressive. It was not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I didn't even deal with any of it. Like my doula just arranged everything. And then um, the lady was so sweet. She dropped them off at my house, which is not far from the hospital where I gave birth. Mm-hmm. And so my husband swung by, picked them up while he was out and about and brought them to me at the hospital. And it was it was amazing. I was like, this is incredible service. So again, if you're going to do placenta encapsulation, that's a great question to ask. Like, what's your turnaround time? What should I expect? How do I get them afterwards? Because I ended up staying in the hospital (laughs) for quite a while. Um, I think I was there five nights. Um, The little one was very jaundiced. That's extra long. It's extra long. Yes. Um, I was supposed to go home on Saturday. Saturday morning, they came to me and said, you're not going anywhere um, because baby M was pretty jaundiced and they needed to put her in a billy blanket. And, um, that was a whole thing I didn't know anything about either. So, um, that was quite an ordeal. I got very emotional and, um, and then I had to stay that night again. And then they finally released us Sunday afternoon. But yeah, I was there five. Well, well, I was there, let's see, from start to finish. Yeah. I stayed five nights, like from start to finish. Wow. So it was, it was a long, I was in the hospital for almost an entire week from the time I checked into the time I checked out. It was, 
it was a wild experience. But you know what? Postpartum nurses, again, shout out. Those ladies were incredible. It didn't matter day or night. The night nurses were, I mean, every nurse was incredible. So I don't want to say the night nurses were even better, but I had one really hard night in postpartum. And I remember just pressing that magic button on the hospital bed and they just come rushing in. One scoops up the baby and starts loving on her. And one comes over to me and checks me, makes sure kind of vitals and all that is okay. And then what do you need? Do you need a snack? Do you need a drink? I'm going to get you some water. Are you cold? Are you hot? And it was just... So, you know, again, did I plan to stay in the hospital for five nights? Absolutely not. But um, Mm -hmm. to be cared for on such a deep level in such a vulnerable state is really a very magical thing. And I just, I hoped, I hope every mama can have such a wonderful um, experience at a hospital or a birthing center, or even if you have a midwife, my goodness, I've heard the best things about midwives and how lovely they are and everything's in home. And it's just, there's so, we have so many options nowadays and it's wonderful because to each his own and, you know, you have medical if you need it and you can go holistic and, you know, at home if you want to. And, I just, I feel very grateful that we have all the options we have and the knowledge that goes behind that as well. Um, Yeah, like the research. It's like, there's no excuse for not knowing anymore. Right. Everything is out there and everything's available. And I love, I want to honor you for creating this space because I think it's so important, especially as women over 40, whether this is your first your third, your fifth, your 10th pregnancy, your, you know, baby, like, it's so important that we still talk about these things. And we have a space to be very open. And I love that um, you've created this podcast for that, where it's kind of no, no topic off limits, if you will. And, um, you know, women being able to share their stories to encourage other women. So I just I honor you and what you've created here. Well, thank you. I know these stories are really the best thing that have helped me. And Mm -hmm. I want to help everyone that needs that. That's wonderful. So what about breastfeeding? (laughs) Did you have plans for that? Yes, I did. And um, you're going to see a reoccurring theme (laughs) with this pregnancy oh, no. and breastfeeding. So with my first, I breastfed <laughs> 13 months. And um, this one, she's been pretty lazy on the boobs since the beginning. And so I, we are still renting the pump from the hospital um, because I wanted just whatever gets it out the quickest, you know, like I don't have time to sit there and uh-huh. pump for every day. So we've got the supersonic pump still from the hospital. Um, but she's very lazy on boob, kind of wants to hang out and like rub it in her face. And just, it's like, <laughs> it's just the best place to hang out. So I realized early on, this is not going how I planned. So I had her checked for tongue tie, lip tie, cheek tie. Uh, She's been to the chiropractor. 
She's been to the cranial sacral therapist to release any fascia from during um, um, labor, even though she never went too far into the canal, but still needed some work done. So I was hoping that would release enough to really get her to click with the nursing, but she just doesn't nurse with vigor. And so uh, we went through two weeks where she was just screaming and screaming and screaming. And I mean, I was literally sitting in the rocking chair, probably 18 hours a day with her on a boob. And I was a complete train wreck and she was unhappy and the house was an entire mess. And so I just said, okay, something is going on. And finally we talked to an older, very wise woman. And she said, honestly, Kelly, I think she's just hungry. I don't think she's getting enough. And that was really Mm -hmm. hard because you want your body again, to do what you know it can do. And I believe that I believe in breastfeeding. And at the same time, this experience with baby M has brought me to the point where I was like a diehard breast is best person. And now my sentiment is fed is best. However, you need to feed your baby. So I had to swallow a big mama pride pill and say, you know what? My boobs aren't producing enough for her. And I, I, mm-hmm. there's, I was, I was doing acupuncture. I was doing the teas. I was doing the supplements. I was doing all the things that we know to do acupressure points, like all the things and it still wasn't enough. So I researched and I found, um, a few very wonderful organic formulas from Europe. Mm-hmm. And I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a baby bartender and I'm going to mix up a drink for her. So basically, she's half breast milk that I pump and half formula. And as soon as we started giving her bottle, bigger bottles, at this point, she was taking like a three-ounce bottle and she'd cry after it was done. And she wanted more. And I was barely keeping up. And so I was like up all the time nursing or pumping. But my body, your body can't produce 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. It's just not capable of that. So um, as soon as we started doing the mix between the organic formula um, and breast milk, she's such a happy baby. And she has now, she now takes like seven ounce bottles. So there's no way I would be able to produce, you know, 35 ounces a day or something like that with the point that we're at now. So I've had, again, to come to terms with this is very different than what I originally envisioned. I still put her to the breast. She still nurses kind of for fun, if you will. I pump multiple times a day, and we just have all the breast milk um, in the fridge ready to go for the next little baby mixed drink that we get to make for her. (laughs) So I encourage you, mamas, stick with it get help if you need to get help, have your baby checked, you know, get a lactation consultant if you need that. And then if it's still not working, consider supplementing. It's not the end of the world. And really you need to rest and your baby needs to be fed. So, um, yeah, definitely a different story this time around for me. Yeah. So for the milk, the, the supplement, you said you bought it from Europe because I have the hardest time now. I haven't looked very much, but it's hard to find milk formula without corn syrup and some bad stuff in it. 
So I lived in France for five years and I have quite a few friends still in Europe. And so I started tapping into my European network and I said, all right, mamas, what do you do? Mm -hmm. What do you give the kiddos? Like most of them are grown and much older now, but what did you give them? There are two European brands. They're organic. And so the EU already has stricter guidelines when it comes to pesticides, herbicides, uh, what you can give the goats or the cows that are eating, you know, what they're grazing on. So I already feel more comfortable that it just comes from the EU in general. Yeah. And then that it's EU organic. It's literally the purest formula that you can find. There's two brands. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce them correctly because it's it, they're, I believe they're both German. One is, uh, no, one is Dutch and one is German, I think. There's HIP, H-I-P-P, and there's Holly, H-O-L-L-E. And so I thought maybe she had a dairy allergy because of all the crying. And I thought, oh, that's something easy I can nix from my diet right away. And dad is lactose intolerant. So I thought, okay, I'm going to nix dairy. And so I just decided when I started researching HIP and Holly, um, that I was going to put her on a goat formula. Mm-hmm. So she is on the Holly goat formula for her supplement. And I just, I, you know, we all do the best that we can. Again, it's not about perfection, but when you look at the ingredients of formula that is readily accessible in the U S it's very disappointing. And it's very sad that it is that, that they think that that's okay to give to a newborn baby um, or any baby. And so I, I couldn't do that. I just, within my own convictions, I just thought I have to do whatever I can. That's the best for her, especially in these, these young weeks and months. So hip and Holly from Europe. And then there's another brand from New Zealand. um, And it escapes my mind right now, but I mean, YouTube has so much information now about this and you can buy them online. It's not on Amazon um, and it's not sold in any stores, um, especially like the early stage formulas, but there's so many websites that have it available and that, I mean, it's invaluable that we have access to that nowadays. Mm -hmm. It really is. We have so many more options now. It's incredible. And I'm very thankful because if not, my baby would still be screaming or I'd be at like a local goat farmer's farm <laughs> saying, can you please give me milk? I mean, I don't know. Like, what What do you do? I mean. Yeah, I don't know. What do you do? If you yeah. So, um, yeah, very, very thankful. And formula was not on my mind. Again, just like a cesarean was not on my mind, but it is what it is. And I think as moms, we learn to go with the flow and this was kind of baptism by fire, if you will, like, okay, this is going to be very different this time around with this baby. And, and that's okay. So again, grace for ourselves and grace for others. And I just, I'm so thankful that you have this space where women can learn and mamas can come together and encourage one another. Cause I think we need more of that in the world. Yeah. I'm finding out how naive I am. Oh, there's always so much to know and so much to learn. And, you know, I think it's great to be able to have people that can help along yeah, the way. I think so too. So what else about your fourth trimester, if you will, did you want to talk about? Oh, goodness. I just, I was very emotional and the recovery from the surgery was rather difficult. And that 
I do believe was a lot due to age. Again, my first surgery, so I can't compare it to anything in the past, um, surgery wise and recovery wise, but it was, it was a hard road. And I, like I said before, I had to let a lot go, but I'm also running around an almost teenager who just started a new school and has a new baby sister at our house and now a new baby sister at her father's house. And it's like, it's just been a lot, like so emotional, all the feelings, wanting the best for the baby and, you know, everyone else involved. And then, but I'm just exhausted beyond words. So it's definitely gotten better since we started supplementing. I'm not having to wake up in the middle of the night and pump. And, um, it, it's just, I feel honestly like each trimester when we're pregnant is three months. Mm -hmm. And I really, it's so funny that we're doing this podcast literally on baby M's third month birthday, because just today I remember driving, it was a little chaotic, had to take the dog to the vet for an emergency and it wasn't planned and the baby was screaming And I just thought, okay, even though this isn't the most happy moment right now, I feel the fog finally starting to lift. Because if that had happened two weeks ago, I would have been crying. Mm -hmm. I remember standing in Trader Joe's a month ago. I was in Trader Joe's a month ago by myself. I left the baby with my mom and I went to Trader Joe's by myself. And I remember walking around in the store. I felt it felt like this out of body experience. Like all these people are rushing around me. And when you're at home with a newborn and you're kind of cocooning and you're inside and it's it's been summer, it's been so hot. So we've just been, you know, hiding out in the AC for three months, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And then you go out in public and you're like, these people's lives haven't changed. And mine has changed drastically. And I stood in the middle of Trader Joe's and I remember I, I just tears, I couldn't help it. They just started running down my face. And I remember telling myself, pull it together, woman, (laughs) you're buying groceries. Everything is fine. Like get your groceries and go home. And it wasn't like I needed my baby right then. It was just, it's all the emotions and those hormones. It's no lie what they say about the hormones. Oh, yes. Oh gosh. So I just, I've had so many experiences like that. I had a little car problem and I had all three of the girls in the back seat and my husband was at work and it was a hot Saturday afternoon and I was stuck on this road and I just lost it. And I'm usually someone who's very scheduled and has things pretty well together and I'm prepared and and I just, these, these crying outbursts that I literally cannot control. It just happens. Uh-huh. So I really, again, being able to ask for help, or if you have that friend who's had the kids and is like this, you know, kind of Mary Poppins like person. I have this one friend, dear friend, her name is Maggie. She came over early on. She's like, Oh no, this won't do you over here. Put this pillow there. Do this, do that. Kelly, you need to put this uh, recovery C-section belt thing on. Okay. You lay down here. This is now your new home for the next four weeks. Okay. You, you go wash (laughs) the dishes. Like she just came in and just started giving directions and taking care of me, but yet putting people on task. And it was like, 
Oh, thank you. So we need someone like that in that fourth trimester. And maybe that's a doula. They do come and they do help afterwards and they give care and they provide, you know, various services. And so if you don't have parents or family in town that can help be there for you, definitely, again, look at your team and look at who you can bring on or keep on for that fourth trimester because those three months are critical. Whether you have a vaginal delivery or a C-section, you're going to need those three months for your body to kind of start to, you know, somewhat level out, especially with all these raging hormones. Oh, it was wonderful. Everyone needs a girlfriend like that. Yes. Yes, they're wonderful. It was so helpful. And then it's not you, you know, having to be bossy pants, as my husband puts it. Like, I wasn't (laughs) having to be bossy. It was someone else. And no one gets offended by that. It's like, oh, okay, well, if they say so. But, you know, if like new mom says it, oh, she's just emotional or she's so needy or whatever they want to say or, and so it was so lovely. It was just do this, do that. Okay, Kelly, you do this. You don't do that. And it was wonderful. (laughs) So we all need those types of people around us. They definitely help. Yes. Yes. So do you think you'll have more kids in your forties? I don't think so. Um, I think after my experience with our miscarriage five years ago and just how different this birth was with baby M and honestly, just my sheer level of energy or lack thereof at this point, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't think so. I really don't think so. It's my husband would love to have more, but um, we live in a cute little, um, but we are in love with baby M and we're so thankful for her and grateful to have kind this is kind of a redemption story for both of us and in mm-hmm. different ways, but with our past um, marriages. And so it's been a really sweet road to be on with him. But I think that, I think we're just happy with our, with our three girls two humans and one dog. (laughs) Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I hope you enjoyed Kelly's story. You know, it just goes to show that you can be a super planner and things don't always go as planned, but you just have to be flexible, I think. And do remember, if you want to email me, email me at jamie at over40fabulousandpregnant.com and join us on Instagram with the same handle and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye!